0: Do you know what Nemesis means? Hello and welcome to Direct, the podcast that takes a direct trajectory through a director's filmography. I'm Eric. I'm Levi. Wes Anderson is a dude. He directs movies. We watched all of them. Levi, what are your thoughts about the old, the old crotchety Wes Anderson? Oh man, I'm... You know, I'm dusting
1: off my, my jacket, my smoking jacket as mm. we speak, you know, getting mm-hmm. ready to put it back into the closet. Um, uh, but you know, I might have to make a, a yearly tradition out of watching some Wes Anderson, you know, bring out my record player, put on something classical yet uh-huh. catchy, uh, perform a play in my own living room for me of a mm. popular movie. I love yes. Wes Anderson. I had a really good time watching these movies. Yes,
0: Mr. Anderson. <laughs> Sorry, I was watching Lord of the Rings, and every time. Every time. But he that's came a on screen. Matrix goof. Yes, but he's in both. He would be, and I'm trying to think of his name now as we say this. Uh, we'll just refer to him as the Royal He. Agent
1: Smith would be excellent in a Wes Anderson movie. Seems Hugo Weaving, I'm pretty sure. Hugo Weaving, thank you. Would be excellent for Wes Anderson. I think it's only a matter of time Hmm. before he appears.
0: Interesting. That's interesting. I don't know if he would be or if he wouldn't be. I think he's got, he could do the deadpan. He's got Mm -hmm. a good serious
1: face. He dresses well in, uh, what I would describe as business. Uh, semi-formal clothing mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and I could see him just as easily he was in a more Victorian era
0: dress in the Wolfman movie and it looked decent on him. Victorian? What? What's Victorian? The doesn't have any Victorian movies. I am not Victorian. What's the word I'm looking
1: for? Uh, what time period am I looking for should I say? That,
0: I that think kind of tweed twee twee jacket. Tweed twee pretty much covers it I think. Tweed? Tweed. What is twee? Tweed. You've never heard of twee? We just watched all of Wes Anderson movies and you haven't heard of twee?
1: What is... Define this word for me. Twee? That doesn't... That's not You've a definition. have never heard
0: the term twee. I'm going to define definition for you. Twee <laughs> is how you say tree if you have a speech impediment. <laughs> no. um, And not... Uh, I love people with speech impediments. I'm a big fan. Nobody loves people with speech impediments more than I do. Um... <laughs> <When> you <laughs> just <laughs> described twee to me i am no twee is excessively this is the definition it's excessively or affectedly quaint pretty or sentimental it's basically wes anderson is twee okay I, a lot yeah of people, a lot of people say that hipsters are twee, hipsterism and twee are very uh tied together Although I do feel the term hipster is overused today. I think it's about time to retire hipster. I think we... uh,
1: For one, there's a new word out there, apparently, that is trying to capture it called twee. So this is... Tweet.
0: twee is not a new word, my friend.
1: How long has it been around? I have... I feel like I've heard it once, and I assume somebody misspelled tween, or
0: they were abbreviating tween further down. Twee is... I'm looking at the mentions here, very popular in the early 1800s, and then rose to median popularity around 1860, around the time of the Civil War. The word? This is the the word's history? Yes, and then it goes up uh, around 1950 and then peaks around 2007. Well, I'm not a fan of the word. It's early twentieth century, representing a t- child's pronunciation of "sweet." Although I don't know why it says early twentieth century, because it has, you know, if you go on Google and you look up a word, it shows you the mentions. Uh huh. And it's got a lot of mentions, like right around eighteen hundred. That's weird. I can't believe you don't, you've never heard "twee" before. Ah, uh,
1: I'm, and that's weird for all the podcasts I listen to. You think the McElroys would have used it or something by now? And I, won't. I'm sure they have. And they probably have, and I just ignored it. I've got. Doesn't look like anything to me. That's a Deep West World cut for
0: our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> um, back to Wes Anderson. <laughs> Wes Anderson Est Twe. However, but what were we saying? Oh yeah, uh, Hugo Weaving. Hugo Weaving. You think he'd be good? I don't know. Hugo Weaving is very Hugo Weaving. You know, yeah. He's, he's Elrond in Lord of the Rings. He's Agent Smith in. The Matrix. He's V and V for Vendetta, and that's all he needs to be. Yeah, but in my opinion, it's he could have a Bill
1: Murray like evolution. I think, mm-hmm. courtesy of Wes Anderson.
0: Um, wow, Bill Murray esque. Well, you think that you think Hugo Weaving's going to be pouring drinks at his own bar in Brooklyn? He could, in his own way. Hmm. I just don't think he's twee enough. I think he's a little too Victorian to use a word that uh, that was used earlier. I, don't I feel know. like he's not quite he's not quite ironic enough. I think that to be a Wes Anderson actor or actress you have to be a little bit ironic. It helps. Like okay. you have to have the ironic nose of Adrian Brody. Do you think or you Tilda Swin is ironic? Oh she's totally ironic. Tilda this the the epitome of irony. I'm not sure we're using the same language to have this conversation <laughs> right now. Uh, Tilda Swinton's ironic. Jason Schwartzman's—he's—he's—he's he's, he's a little. Jason Schwartzman. I'll—I'll I'll, I'll get on board with that one. Yes. I think Tilda Swinton, in her capacity in Wes Anderson movies, is ironic. I mean, I've just never seen Hugo Weaving have like a hint of humor to his role, and therefore I'm skeptical. I'll submit to you as someone mm-hmm. who recently watched *Lord of the Rings*. Kate
1: Blanchett, also in Lord of the Rings next to Hugo Weaving, did mm-hmm. great in Life Aquatic.
0: True, but Kate C- Blanchett has a bit of irony to her, I believe. She's she's a little more jovial. I think that did, Hugo Weaving he- has
1: that in there. He just he's at this point <laughs> there were moments where Elrond in Lord
0: of the Rings has a, he smirks just a little bit. Join us for Hugo Weaving cast coming to you from the <laughs> Bond Network, where we just do nothing but talk about Hugo Weaving for hours. Listen, Season one coming soon.
1: Next time somebody's at a Q&A with Wes Anderson, I want you to get on the mic and ask, Hugo Weaving,
0: would you put him in your movies? All right. I'm looking at Hugo <laughs> I'm looking at Hugo Weaving's IMDb page. Uh-huh. And, oh, yeah, I forgot he was Red Skull forgot about that yeah he did okay in that he's got a beard now i guess his picture's
1: got a beard if he he's that's he's growing the beard he's gonna shave it down to a mustache
0: Mm -hmm. life of dogs he could be well there's a there's also a picture of him dressed up as a matador so that's our i think i feel like wes anderson should have a matador in one of his movies i next time he wants a trip to spain i think he's making a movie there (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> He's like the Adam Sandler of Twee.
1: <laughs> anyway, a, you know what? I
0: if Amazon wants
1: to fire back at Netflix, uh, you know, and start collecting people, they could do
0: worse than Wes Anderson. Oh yeah, I would love to see I would actually be very interested to see a Wes Anderson TV show. Man, like the production budget on a TV show with Wes Anderson <laughs> behind it. Well, maybe something that would be where he's like an executive producer, very much like Steven Soderbergh did with uh, with uh, Red Oaks. Mm-hmm. You um, know, it'd be cool to see him do
1: some, you know, there's more and more kids programming. I'd oh, yes. love to see him do a ki-
0: executive produce a kids program. A Wes Anderson PBS show. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. I wish we had money. Who what other actors because we've talked about Wes Anderson's kind of troop of actors, correct? Mm-hmm. I mean he's got Owen Wilson. He's got uh basically now everybody who's in Grand Budapest. So uh <laughs> uh uh what's his face? The redhead guy from Fight Club. The uh Redhead guy from Fight Club? Yes. Edward Norton. Oh, Edward he's not
1: redhead? Oh, he's a ginger. The, okay, this is I'm gonna. So, all right. So we're talking. We want you want. What are some actors that need to join yes. up with Wes Anderson? You don't think?
0: Wait a second. You don't think Edward Norton's a ginger? I don't think he is. I think that's really a crazy statement you just made. Is Edward Norton a ginger? I'm, I'm typing it in. Edward <laughs> Norton. I'm pulling up his bio on IMDb. You can Google it. Is he? Is he actually a ginger? Trivia. I think he is. I bet you if he grew a big old bushy beard it would be bright red. Oh, it's not on his
1: there's nowhere on here that's <laughs> physical facts about Ed Norton in the <laughs> oh overly good.
0: This this Darjeeling Limited went off the rails long ago, I think. <laughs> what about <laughs> Kevin Spacey? <laughs> Kevin Spacey would be great. I'm thinking Edward nor I'm thinking <laughs> I'm thinking um William H. Macy would be great, I think. I'm surprised he hasn't appeared I yet. I know. I know William H Macy. Also, Steve Buscemi. Yes, could be awesome in a Wes Anderson movie. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I love him so much, John Goodman. I just want to give John Goodman a great big hug and a kiss on the lips. <laughs> and that has and that inspires you to put him in a Wes Anderson film. Yes, I mean I was well, I was just watching um, Roseanne. Actually, I was watching a rerun of Roseanne right before we recorded this. So, what about Neil Patrick Harris? put it on the pizza (laughs) that's a lot i don't even know what that
1: means anymore how
0: about the olsen twins that would be that would be ironic what about
1: that one that's actually still acting not one of the twins oh yeah elizabeth olsen
0: elizabeth olsen yeah the younger olsen i've elizabeth olsen i feel like would be primed for a wes anderson um Occurrence. Why is it? Why did
1: Natalie Portman only show up in a short? How has she not shown up in a longer Wes Anderson film?
0: Feel like Natalie Portman might be difficult to work with. This is just an inkling I have.
1: <laughs> you think that after Wes Anderson's filmed a short with her, he's like, "Nope."
0: Well, it's so interesting, right? Because, um. Natalie Portman. I have no b- basis for this at all, but it mm-hmm. seems like she does movie roles, and then she never works with those directors or actors ever again. I mean, think about her role with our f- good friend Hugo Weaving. <laughs> It'd be for Vendetta. Uh, that's <laughs> what I do, but that's not like that. It's not like that movie had a sequel. Yes, but she like never worked Trump with the Wachowskis the- again.
1: How many people are working with the Wachowskis Chow- anymore?
0: Hugo Weaving! <laughs> Hugo Weaving. <laughs> Wait,
1: when did... Okay, so he did The Matrix, and then he did V for Vendetta with them. Yeah. And then he definitely checked out of Jupiter Ascending. Was he in it, though? No. No, no, no. he That's what I'm saying. It's like he's... Mm-hmm. uh and now I'm trying to think of who was the guy. Are you in, sure that he wasn't do, in Jupiter Ascending? Is he on you probably have his IMDB page up still.
0: <laughs> I do. He was in Cloud Atlas, so he worked with them again. Channing he was Tatum. In Cloud He'd made a try for a Cohen Brothers <sighs> film. What no, about a Wes
1: Anderson movie? He
0: was also he also remember made the try in Tarantino's Hateful Eight, and I felt like he was the worst part of Hateful Eight. He didn't really have a ton of time to present he just doesn't do the dialogue i feel like channing tatum is a dancer who should have become a wwe superstar and instead <laughs> became a pretty boy actor man and then his now his iconic role is him as a dancer he's come full circle i do really like him in 21 and 22 jumps well he's a great straight man to jonah hill mm-hmm. but that's because he has no personality what if we put both of them in a Wes Anderson? What if they're a package deal? Actually, Jonah point? Hill, I feel like, would be a very interesting addition to a Wes Anderson movie trope.
1: What about John Boyega? We just listed a lot of white people after mm-hmm. having a little bit of a run about his lack of racial diversity well, this and is, female yes. diversity.
0: Yes. This is, But this is Wes Anderson, man. He's Do you a think, closet racist, and we all know it. <laughs> Do we think John Boyega can be twee? John Boyega can definitely be tweet. John Boyega is one of my faves, as you know. He's he's a he's the protagonist of one of my favorite movies of all time, which is Attack the Block. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: he definitely he, played lovable in the new Star Wars.
0: Oh yeah, I love him in the new Star Wars. I felt like he was so um, repro- like relatable, and he mm-hmm. had that like wonderment, which I thought was really fun. I'm trying to think here, I would l- actually love to see Aziz Ansari in a Wes Anderson Ooh. movie.
1: I don't know. He's got, you know. I think a lot of the roles that have mm-hmm. appeared in a Wes Anderson film are subdued in a way, mm-hmm. uh, with the exception maybe of Dignan in terms of
0: uh, I feel a like high could, energy. I feel like he could play subdued. I feel like Aziz Sorry is almost, I mean, remember uh, Master of None? Mm-hmm. He was great in Master of None. And he could, like, it, Master of None is is a very, like, hipstery movie. You could, in, in fact, in some places, call it twee. Uh, he, I didn't I just see inv- the whole thing, so I don't oh. know. Did he play any subdued? Yeah, he's got some melancholy. He's got some melancholy in there? I just, I love the idea of Aziz Ansari and Jeff Goldblum being, like, co-professors at an academy mm-hmm. in a Wes Anderson movie. What about Ice Cube? Uh, He's no. really started to become a character of himself. No, 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 no. Couldn't see it? No. Ice Cube is a great comedian mm-hmm. in movies like Friday and uh, Are We There Yet? And Are We There Yet Too? Let's not forget. <laughs> um, <laughs> Wait. Yeah, you're saying Ice Cube, not Ice-T. Yes. I was- <laughs> um, I ice Cube. Ice cube would be good i uh well hmm, I'm trying to think here I think that we've I think we basically covered the places <laughs> I think we've taken this to its logical end.
1: Wait, hold on, I got one more I gotta remember
0: okay, gotta look up the name what about mm-hmm. Kirsten dunce Kirsten dunce would actually be really good. I loved her in fargo uh, season two mm-hmm I just and... saw her in uh, midnight special. Uh, she's in a very Special? serious
1: role mm-hmm. she's the mom of the kid if you
0: saw i totally for- i totally forgot about that but speaking of that michael shannon would be interesting um he'd be another good you think he plays a villain because a lot of the villains are kind of no, goofy but I... he is such a serious guy i think yeah i think michael shannon would be a great like fish out of water you know i i feel like he plays villain too often mm-hmm. well it's
1: easy with that that face that stern mm-hmm. face Mm-hmm. i'm basically playing six degrees of separation now but joseph gordon levitt is no. going to show up no. he will show
0: up no he's twee as fuck if i am he's understanding too twee. Twee he's, correctly he is he's so twee that he that he jumps out of twee into a whole nother realm and jason schwartzman doesn't yes jason schwartzman has a uh there's a big difference between Jason Schwartzman and Joseph Gordon-Levitt to me. Joseph Gordon-Levitt is a look-at-me type of actor. Like, he always seems like he's very aware of where the camera is. And Jason Schwartzman is a, I'm going to do whatever I want and hopefully the camera catches it type of actor. All right.
1: All right. <laughs> I mean- <laughs> trying to rack my brain for some other good this is a fun game we should be doing this more what? with the, with the epilogues
0: <laughs> do you want to rank the movies we should do that at um, some point yeah we should do that i guess I've we don't too have much to where you have it <laughs>
1: i was wondering are we are we stalling did you decide not to you couldn't rank them you're
0: still trying to decide oh no i have it all ranked it Definitely. was actually really easy this was one of the easiest ones to rank Really? Yeah. Oh. Um so you know, my ranking I always go off of a scale of the shelf test. So if all of these movies were on a shelf, which would I reach for first? Which would which one would I reach for last? Mm-hmm. Etcetera, etcetera. So if all these movies were on the shelf, I'll go first. Uh the last movie I would grab, I'll go last to first here. Last movie I would grab would be Moonrise Kingdom. And that's just my own personal thing. I know I got some hate on the forums, but I expected it. Mm-hmm. It's has, I have no, nothing against people who like that movie. It's one of the great things about art is that we could disagree about it. But Moonrise Kingdom would be the last one I would pick up. Then would be Bottle Rocket. Mm-hmm. Uh, then would be Darjeeling Limited. Then would be Rushmore. Then would be Fantastic Mr. Fox. Which means my top three are the Royal Tenenbaums. The Grand Budapest Hotel, and my number one is Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. Ooh, Life Aquatic survived. Yeah, it did. I just love that movie so much. It gives me so much joy because it's such an adventure movie, Mm -hmm. and Bill Murray's so great in it. Like he's my favorite portrayal of this confident buffoon archetype in all of uh, Wes Anderson dumb. So I gotta go with. I just gotta go with Zissou at the top.
1: I think in some ways that the confident, that which confident buffoon you prefer really, mm-hmm. uh, weights the movies. I think well, you really pull them off the shelf
0: based on who do you yeah. want to watch goof around. <laughs> <in a laughs> lot yeah, of ways. well, abs- I, I feel like that's really, really true. I think that, um, you know, Fantastic Mr. Fox is in my top four. It, you know, comes in at number four because I feel like that movie is the most Wes Anderson mo- movie of Wes Anderson. I feel like if you want to distill a movie down to its most basic parts and say this is a Wes Anderson film, it's Fantastic Mr. Fox. Mm-hmm. Although the Fantastic Mr. Fox has some outliers, like it has a villain, which most of his movies don't really have, like a overarching villain. Um, but as far as that representation of the confident buffoon and the ragtag team uh, ensemble that uh, get together to follow him to uh, possibly their doom, <laughs> reluctant followers, uh, I feel like it's a really good representation of that. Um, and I want like that's a crazy thing, man. When I went into this, I thought Rushmore was my favorite Wes Anderson movie. It came out at number five after this rewatch.
1: Yeah, it was a. Uh, I think you and I kind of agreed on the bottom set. Um mm-hmm. I did Bottle Rocket as the. Word. I just never got over that movie. I even compared to. I know that <laughs> Moonrise Kingdom came in a lot higher on the second viewing. I think if I yep. put this list ahead in advance, that I probably would have put that. I would have guessed that was going to be under Bottle Rocket. Yep. Um. So I have Bottle Rocket. Then I actually put Darjeeling Limited in. Mm. And then Moonrise Kingdom. So Moonrise Kingdom managed to overcome. Darjeeling Limited just felt so overdone.
0: It's it's a head-scratcher,
1: man. After watching them in chronological order. I think if you don't watch them in order, it's not quite as rough. But the Mm -hmm. the themes have just been, they haven't, they didn't really try anything. It didn't feel like
0: anything new. um, Roman Coppola, baby. It's the Roman Coppola bitter pill. You either love them or you hate them, I think. Um, the so Roman Coppola. <laughs> then at five, I had Royal Tenenbaums. Uh-huh. Uh, four, Rushmore.
1: And then my top three, Life Aquatic, Grand Budapest, and Fantastic Mr. Fox was my number one.
0: That's interesting. Why Royal Tenenbaums so low? Uh,
1: you know, it's. I think it's really the battle between Royal Tenenbaums and Rushmore. I think they hmm. end up being really close thematically in terms of the trajectory of the themes they felt really similar uh Rushmore I think I would attribute it coming in higher to uh to Jason Schwartzman and and Max I think Max was a fascinating character uh he was somebody I could root for I think there were a lot of good goofs based around his being in school being a kid uh watching him talk to the principal and or attempt to in an adult fashion. I found super funny. Uh, I think the relationship with the teacher was mm-hmm. really interesting and it got serious in a really, yeah. a really intentional way that I enjoyed, uh, when she kind of calls him on it, on his infatuation and the Royal Tenenbaums was good, but it was a bit darker. The family was a little less, uh, charismatic um hmm. and it had kind of the upswing at the end but i think it was honestly just it came down to a personality thing and i think max the, was
0: more interesting than royal the upswing my, my friend the dog dies you hate that i do hate when dog i forgot about the dog dying yeah the dog dies spoiler <laughs> alert um that's really interesting because i feel like real tenant bombs is a very and you had fantastic mr fox at number one yeah wow I think, and
1: that's the shelf test. I'll reach for that hmm. anytime. I think that was a great story. I think it took, because they spoke so much, so openly to Wes Anderson's themes, I think it works the best. I think it is the yeah. most Wes Anderson film, and I think he's very open in how he talks about his work through the work. Uh with Mr. Uh, and we keep coming back to the quote where Mr. Fox talks about why he he has to be liked. He has to be mildly yeah. intimidating. Mm-hmm. Um And there was just something about that 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 opening that I really enjoyed. On top of the the different medium, you know, I really mm-hmm. I enjoy movies like that. I really love Kubo and the Two Strings. And I wonder if it had not been in the uh, the medium
0: that it had, if it would have been mm-hmm. as good. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Um I I just think that's that's kind of cuz I I thought Royal Tenenbombs for me is like Royal Tenenbombs z and Grand Budapest are like boom boom boom. Like that they're interchangeable almost at the top 3 for me. But yeah. I think it's interesting your assessment of Tenenbombs. Um I we did get one on the uh forum um Davey Mack posted his uh, his in order, and they are very similar to mine. Very, very <laughs> similar. His top three are the same as my top three, except they're in different order. Uh, actually, this is creepy. <laughs> so his bottom three are Bottle Rocket, Moonrise Kingdom, Darjeeling Limited. Mine are Moonrise Kingdom, Bottle Rocket, Darjeeling Limited. Yeah. Um, his next two are Fantastic Mr. Fox and Rushmore. My next two are Rushmore and Fantastic Mr. Fox. <clears throat> And then his top three are Life, Aquatic, Grand Budapest, and Royal Tenenbaums at the top. Mine are Royal Tenenbaums, Grand Budapest, and Steve Zissou at the top. So, that's it's a little creepy. It's a little creepy, Davey. But I guess there's a reason why he listens to this podcast.
1: Yeah, and he makes a good point that they're all solid movies. We are doing another director who doesn't really have a bad work in his repertoire.
0: Um, I would say, aside from Edgar Wright um just because i love edgar wright's films (laughs) and i would pretty much grab any of them before i grabbed uh wes anderson just because i like you know just like him i like his movies a lot yeah uh aside from edgar wright i feel like uh anderson is a more consistent director in terms of quality than any other one we've covered yeah I mean, everybody's got the stinker, right? Everybody's got the Alien Three or the Death Proof or the Blade Two slash Mimic. You know, we West Anderson doesn't really have that huge clunker. Mm-hmm. And you know, even with my uh, apparent hatred for Moonrise Kingdom, which uh-huh. is not necessarily true, I would st- I would still watch it over, definitely over uh Blade Two. I thought you were going to say Alien Three <laughs> or Alien Three. <laughs> Any of those movies. No, uh, I mean, it's, it, the quality is so strong with Wes Anderson that, um, saying that y- you have a least favorite of his films almost discredits him. It almost discredits your statement because it's like, yeah, you have to put these in order because of an arbitrary metric that we've assigned to this podcast, but the quality is pretty consistent across the board. So, yeah, so next we have, what is it? Isle of Dogs? Isle of Dogs. It's got at least dogs? Edward Norton because he's, pops his head into the little fundraiser video. Hmm. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, another stop motion movie, which I think is really cool with him. Um, I'm just kind of thinking about like, what would I want him to do next? If after, after Isle of dogs, what would I like to see? We've talked about like a, a series or perhaps like a PBS series, which Mm -hmm. would be interesting. Um, I think and that's it's the idea that
1: he could do a kids show because I've been yeah. watching Lemony Snicket and it's mm-hmm. it's a dramatic work it it is not a beat um despite being <laughs> full of jokes it's really got some some bummers in it and but it teaches a lot of good lessons for kids and I think Wes Anderson has with the themes that he addresses he could easily delve into uh, stories for kids, similar to Fantastic Mr. Fox. Yeah, and yeah. I, I would love to see what he comes up with whole cloth, and not just adaptation from Rule Doll.
0: Well, I mean, I, I feel like his he's so his confident buffoon character is so akin to an immature mm. person mm-hmm. that the themes resonate really strong. <clears throat> um really strongly with kids. However, having said that, you know, when he did do a movie that revolved around children, it kind of fell flat for me. But didn't fall flat for a lot of other people. I think mm-hmm. it'd be very interesting to see him do um like his version of Stranger Things, where, you know, obviously without like the, the supernatural elements, but what I was talking about is kind of I love that like 80s era um kids Adventure movie like The Goonies or you know Attack the Block is a great example or uh, Stranger Things something where a bunch of kids get into trouble.
1: Well, and he's I think that I've been thinking about The Thing because I I heard a really good interview with Quentin Tarantino and he's talking about the influence of The Thing on Hateful Eight, Hateful eight. Mm-hmm. and the the way that they do monsters in The Thing similar to the way they do monsters oh, yeah. in Evil Dead. I would love to see Wes Anderson play around with that like layered clay mm-hmm. uh, stop motion effect that they, that they used to do. Um, that would be so
0: interesting. It would if be he cool actually did a
1: horror movie, direct some kids in that, in that yeah. function. And it would probably be stranger things was akin to the Goonies. I feel like we would we would get the thing, but with <laughs> children and the end would still be <laughs> haunt as haunting as, <laughs> as the original, uh, I think that'd be a good, com- a fun combination for him.
0: Yeah, I mean, Stranger Things is like, it's like the Goonies, it's like E.T., it's like Stand By Me, it's mm-hmm. like, uh, um...
1: And a confident buffoon is always a requisite for a horror movie. There's always got to be somebody who charges blindly ahead and totally mm-hmm. bites it at some point.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it's confident buffoons usually make it out at the end. Of horror movies? No, of Wes Anderson movies. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I do think that, I think a horror movie would be interesting, but like I was watching our red letter media. Um, I've been watching their review series, um, Mm -hmm. on YouTube. Yeah. they talked about a movie called the gate, which I've never seen, but it, it it seems like it would be like an interesting premise because it's, it's like basically these kids, I think it was released in 1987 or what? It was like late 80s. These kids are in Canada, and they're they have a rotting oak tree in their backyard, so they get it removed, and then when it's removed, uh, they find out there's a gate to hell underneath it, mm-hmm. and then like all of this shit starts happening, and like their parents get possessed, and all of this like scary stuff happens. It's something like that would be really interesting. Um. Does the movie it, that, like, when I was a kid, that really freaked because they were talking about how this is, like, a horror movie for kids, and it's, uh-huh. it's like, it's got, like, a dad's face melting off and, like, all of this stuff, but it's aimed toward children. <laughs> it's horrifying um, to
1: children. Sounds like it. Yeah.
0: It's, well, it's, it, it really, it, it, like, it, like, really is scary for, like, kids, you know, and the kids who watch this or people who watch this movie when they were children, like, remember it as being, like, the scariest movie, mm-hmm. even though now when you watch it, it's kind of campy and fun. Um, I, some of that My, stuff
1: can be haunting, though. Long after, like if you get scarred oh yeah. young, I still won't watch Fire in the Sky. And I saw that when I was in kindergarten.
0: <laughs> well, that's that's an adult. That's an adult movie. That was for a super. A that was,
1: went with the neighbor kid. It was a terrible idea. I still can't bring myself to watch it, even when I see it show up on on the old Netflix.
0: My too, movie too that freaked me out when I was a kid was Ernest Scared Stupid. That was a pretty scary movie. It that was, was the one
1: that, like had terrifying. the trolls, right? Yes,
0: it had the troll, and if he touched you, you would turn into a wooden doll, and then he would keep you in the tree. That's right. And there's like a scene where there's a girl in bed, and she's like scared, and she's like pulling the covers up over her head, uh-huh. and she turns around, turns over, and the troll is in the bed with her. It's terrifying, <laughs> and it's an earnest movie.
1: Oh, he's <laughs> scared
0: stupid. It
1: sounds yeah. Don't you love that you have brain space dedicated to remembering that scene?
0: I know that could well, be used the, for... That movie was just terrifying to me. I remember I went and rented it at the LA, uh convenience store, which is since shut down. You know, so <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's been a long, long time. Um, but yeah, I think it'd be cool if like Wes Anderson did like a spooky kids movie. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be kind of fun with stop motion. Yeah, or or a kid's adventure movie. Um, yeah, be interesting. Maybe when he's like really old, he can do the inevitable uh, movie remake of Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't he, okay? Hugo
1: yeah. weaving in mm-hmm. a child's horror movie with Wes Anderson, where Hugo okay, weaving is yeah. supposed to be horrifying. Yep,
0: you sold to me. You sold there you me. Go. Um. Hey, Davey Mack uh, has some others has some other nice rankings here. He says random favorites, favorite uniforms, Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. Can't I like those that. uniforms a lot. I also love the Grand Budapest ones, the purple pants with the red stripe down <laughs> the side. That is a classy look. Uh, favorite soundtrack, Life Aquatic. That is that's easily uh, easily agreeable.
1: Yeah, those Portuguese covers uh, by Sway Jorge. I I would love to get that soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Just of his work.
0: And then, uh, favorite minor character, tie between the Bond Company, Stooge, and Klaus in The Life Aquatic. So, interesting that all of his fa- other favorites are Life Aquatic, and yet Life Aquatic ranks third uh, on his list.
1: <laughs> you trying to convince him to come over to come in and edit that?
0: Perhaps, perhaps.
1: I like that he does... He actually pairs Life Aquatic with Rushmore and Fantastic mm-hmm. Mr. Fox. Those are interchangeable to him. Hmm.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's like a, there's like the middle three, and the yeah. top two are Real Tenenbaums, Tenenbaums and Grand Budapest. Budapest. Uh, yeah, I think that's interesting. I think that Rushmore, to me, quality-wise, drops below Fantastic Mr. Fox and Life Aquatic. But I mm-hmm. honestly... Fantastic Mr. Fox is ranked number four for me. I... Toyed with the idea of putting it at number one or number two. But I just, Grand Budapest is just so good, man. It is just so impeccably crafted. Yeah. That you got to tip your hat to that film.
1: It really was the, the culmination. That's why I think a little bit, yeah. some of the what's influencing our rankings is the character. I think that for you, Zisu was such a powerful character. For me, yeah. I think Mr. Fox was a fascinating characterization. Um, Yep, and but then Gustav is next, and then I
0: have Zisu after Gustav. um, Right. Well, and I love Gene Hackman in uh, Royal Tenenbaums. I mean, and I just love. I mean, I go back to that. It's. I think it's his most powerful scene is the suicide attempt, um, with the Elliott Smith song playing over it. It's like, jeez, that's a heavy scene, man. Yeah, that's. All of, there are so many,
1: I was going through kind of mm-hmm. the, the elements of Wes Anderson and things like the suicide scene yeah. where he does the overhead shot. He does so much between overhead shots, the way he center shots. He does the single shots where they're just following where Edward Norton goes down the row of tents. Um, the use of windows was something that I hadn't caught until. Really, today I was watching a video that kind of compiled them all. Um, the first shot we see from from Anderson in Bottle Rocket is uh, Luke Wilson looking out a window. And I think the view of Susie in Moonrise Kingdom looking yeah. out the window with her binoculars yeah. was a real powerful moment. And then the windows mm-hmm. in the Grand Budapest are very important in how, you know, I think he begins to symbolize people's yeah. views of the world and he uses them in all of the movies there's <laughs> and people escape out them they look well, out and, them they shout at each other gene hackman shouting at owen wilson well, i know yeah. you
0: <laughs> asshole it's speaking of uh oh yeah and remember like a bottle rocket i mean the first scene is yeah him escaping out the window and then the window <laughs> And then there's also, like, the windows, right? Like, in in, uh, Darjeeling Limited, where Adrian Brody's character wears these prescription glasses that alter his vision. Um, Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And you get the Mm portholes of the Belafonte with those
1: dipshit dolphins (laughs) outside. I love it at the (laughs) end where where
0: they're in the submarine and, and Jeff Goldblum sees one of his turtles. Cause that warms my heart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Deal with the man. Uh, let's go over some uh, Wes Andersonisms. So, of course, we've talked exhaustively about the yeah. Confident Buffoon, so we don't need to talk about that anymore. um mm-hmm. Turkish baths. You get Turkish baths in the Belafonte and baths. Turkish baths in the Grand Budapest Hotel.
1: And almost have to be roped into yeah. the story like <laughs> you yes. he, he really has to point totally. them out there's no way that you're just yeah. having those in the background we've got to get a grand tour of the uh-huh. architecture whether it's the boat or the hotel well don't
0: forget it uh, steve Zisu because... is in the turkish bath when the pirates attack yeah but then also oh, in grad right. budapest like it's really shoehorned in there it's like one scene where jude law like you know Mm -hmm. looks up and says
1: yeah we don't even see them in
0: the past at any point
1: it's just that one moment where oh they're not as good as they used to but we don't even yeah
0: so turkish baths also go-karts we get go-karts in rushmore and royal tenenbaums Mm -hmm. and the royal tenenbaums
1: was a deep cut apparently for oh yeah the french connection with our man Gene Hackman, yep. So that um, was pretty cool. We talked, we talked about it a lot, but smoking
0: is huge. Up. It's huge in uh, Wes Anderson's movies. Yeah, makes people. I mean, look even so cool I love how me. even in uh, <laughs> even in Moonrise Kingdom, the child smokes a <laughs> pipe. You know. Yeah,
1: that's right. He has his, no, he he's he never light it, right? He pipe, just chews man. on it. Yes. <laughs> he's probably just got
0: like si field grass um, crammed in there. What are some other Wes Andersonisms?
1: You know, we've got uh mm-hmm. the slow motion. Yep. The slow motion walk that can be it could be oh, very yeah. rock and roll. Like when Max Comes out after putting the bees in Bill Murray's room in the hotel, and I don't remember uh, yeah. what the song is. All I remember is him op- the door opening out, him just strutting. And then out he turns in around motion. in the elevator. Um, there's and the we wedding. See the elevator
0: door slowly close. Yep.
1: Right. Um. The wedding. The following the wedding mm-hmm. in Moonrise Kingdom, they walk out of there with their little gang yep. of. There's the funeral uh, in uh, Grand Budapest. Um, mm-hmm uh life aquatic i think the most beautiful of the slow motion is him walking with klaus's yeah. nephew on his shoulders at the end it's such a
0: nice symbolic moment about yeah about and the adventure it's a great thing too because these are deliberate slow motion like they were shot you could tell that they were shot at high speed um so they're deliberate choices Mm -hmm. of slow motion you know tarantino likes to do like the slow motion after the fact and he does like the i know it's a tribute to hong kong cinema but uh that jittery slow motion Mm. which is what happens when you shoot something at normal speed and then slow it down it gets like jumpy when you get that nice smooth rock and roll slow motion that means that they actually did shoot it at high (laughs) speed so that they could do that so I I do like it because it just speaks to how deliberate Wes Anderson is as a director, and I think that's one of the things that really makes him stand out. Is not only his style, but also the fact that you feel like you're getting you're going to get a quality product. It's like getting a handmade leather saddle, you know. It's like you know you're gonna get a a quality quality film out of Wes Anderson every time that you go to the theater, which is. Really cool, man. Because he 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 puts in the work, you know. Somebody like Tarantino, you're like, yeah, I got to go see the next Tarantino movie. But he also just like will do schlocky stuff as a tribute, right? Um, yeah.
1: Or like uh, you know, I've been listening to uh-huh. I listened to an interview with Gareth uh-huh. Edwards for Rogue One. He shoots like a crazy person. He just he doesn't even know what he's getting. He just shoots a ton and then he goes back. And that's why there's so much footage in the Uh, commercials for Rogue One. Because when the the marketing uh guys got footage, he wasn't even remotely Uh near ready with the film. So they were just grabbing what looked cool. And he would just randomly film cool stuff because the moment was there. But it's not intentional, which is fine. That's his move. And people are willing to give him a ton of money. And he did a great job with Rogue One. But I don't imagine that Wes Anderson has a lot of scenes outside of what we see on. The yeah.
0: Screen. I, yeah, I think so. I think he, he, I would love to see his storyboards. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> how close they are to reality. I bet they're pretty
1: even down to the, I would yeah. like the architecture, the, that kind of somebody described oh, it as yeah, a totally. dollhouse style. And it really, the, the later on we go, the, you know, from Zisu on, and even Tenenbaums felt a little like kind of the first emergence of the the uh, pa- the the sort mm. of spread of the house in that it's it yeah. feels very continuous. Toward, and then, yeah, we see that in, in Moonrise Kingdom uh,
0: to the Belafonte
1: and Fantastic Mister Fox. Yeah, the, the whole environment is in one long line Mm -hmm. because like when they dig and we just Mm -hmm. watch them go past the farms and the fields and to the tree, like there are just, there are no boundaries
0: to how far the shot can go. He loves to have that like single place that has a bunch of different interesting rooms in it. And we see that in Royal Tenenbaums. Mm -hmm. I think that we get like a hint of that in the idea of having a academy with a aquarium, with the Pipe Dream Aquarium of Max yeah. and Rushmore. Um but yeah, right. Uh, we we see that in we see that in uh Royal Tenenbaums. we see it in Life Aquatic with the Turkish baths in the Belafonte, we see it um in Fantastic Mr. Fox, certainly we see it in Moonrise Kingdom with the kind of that sprawling house. And we see it in um in Grand Budapest, obviously as well. Uh so that's kind of the thing of like this room this house with many rooms, and each room has its own little purpose. And I would love to see him yeah, like maybe that spooky kids movie could be a haunted house story. <laughs> you know. I'd love to see his oh, version of an uh yeah. of, a, of a conservatory and a library and all of this stuff in a mansion.
1: Mm-hmm. And he could just use yeah. Guillermo del Toro's house, which I've heard is spooky and has a conservatory uh-huh. with a
0: statue of H.P. Lovecraft. There you go. <laughs> uh, there you go. <laughs> Team up. All right. Well, anything else to say about Wes, Wes Anderson? Oh, what? I would love to mace him.
1: Uh... This is from the Darjeeling mode. I love you, <laughs> but I'm going to mace you in the face.
0: It's probably my favorite I was quote. like, wow, man, this really escalated. Uh, oh, also a Futura font. He uses it all the time. Loves it. Uh, so if you want to use, if you want to make something and make it look like Wes Anderson, just throw some Futura font on it. Yep.
1: I, I watched that up- X.
0: Sorry. I watched that
1: X-Men video. Oh with, yeah. Like, spoof of Wes. I really thought it was going to be better. And I think part of it's because don't spoof Wes Anderson unless you can really. Yeah. You've got to be as strict as he is because it looked sloppy. It looked like high schoolers did it.
0: Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's like, oh, we'll just put uh, Simon and Garfunkel underneath, throw some Futura font on it, and it'll be Wes Anderson.
1: Nope. No, your X-Men costumes need to be impeccable (laughs) if you're going to riff on him.
0: (laughs) So I did pick up this book. Um, It's called The Wes Anderson Collection. I got it on uh, Amazon. I think it was only like 23 Mm -hmm. bucks for the hardcover. And it's a, it's a hefty book. It's definitely like a coffee table style book. Um, the MSRP is $40. So right now you can get it for about half off on Amazon. The shitty thing about it, it does end at Moon, Moonrise Kingdom, which might be why it is uh, half so cheap. Off. Um, but it does have a lot of great interviews, photos, and everything. So if you want to delve more into Wes Anderson, I recommend picking up the Wes Anderson Collection book. It is a really nice book. I like it a lot. Um. All right. Well, let's talk about our next
1: director a little bit here, my friend. First, Simon Pegg would be great in a Wes Anderson
0: film. Ooh. Was Frances McDormand? She was in. Yeah, she was in Moonrise Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Basically, anybody who's in who's in Coen Brothers movies, I feel like can translate directly. <laughs> Jump right over. Yeah. Um. Definitely want to see Javier Bardem. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, so our next director, so we're, uh, we're going to be doing, uh, Christopher Nolan. Uh, so we're going to be doing him and we're going to be doing him leading up to Dunkirk so that we can do what we did with, uh, Quentin Tarantino, where we watched Mm -hmm. all of his movies leading up to Hateful Eight and then we watched Hateful Eight and, uh, podcasted about it. So we're going to do that with, uh, with our good buddy, Christopher Nolan. However, um, in order to do that, we will start in May. So yeah. it's kind of a big break right now to go from here till May without a direct director in there. And so we were talking about, and I'm doing this live, Levi, I hope you're okay Do with it live. Um, we were talking about figuring out a director who has uh, like seven, another kind of Wes Anderson-y type of director who has like seven or eight movies that we can yep. watch. And uh, we came down to, uh, last week we were talking about it. we kind of came down to Alfonso Cuarón. Yeah. Um, but then I'd also like to throw in Paul Thomas Anderson. And the reason why this is uh, pertinent, actually, and especially pertinent to our audience, is that Paul Thomas Anderson finished in second place behind um, David Fincher in our in our listener poll. Mm. And Alfonso Coron finished in second place behind Guillermo del Toro in our listener poll. So they're two second place finishers. So that's what I'm thinking, is we put this up to the listeners, and we have them choose between Alfonso Corone and Paul Thomas Anderson. Sure. What do you think about um, that?
1: Yeah. When do we... So if it's May, mm-hmm. when do we need to start with the next one? Are we uh, gonna do well, a... I
0: think we could take about a month off, and then we'll be back. Okay. And we'll be fine. Um, I do want to just run through Cuarón and Paul Thomas Anderson's filmography for the listeners here so they could start to noodle on it. Yeah. Um so Paul uh, Alfonso Cuarón, um he is uh, from Mexico. So his first movie is Solo Cantu Pareja. Um so that's a Mexican film. I've never seen mm-hmm. it, never heard about it. So that'll be interesting. Uh second movie A Little Princess. Which I have seen, actually. Saw that when I was a kid. Been Came a out. long time. 95. Then Great Expectations, the Jane Austen novel. Haven't seen that. Then Itumama Tambien. Then Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Seen it. Then Children of Men. Yeah. Oh, and man. Gravity. So, a pretty eclectic, very diverse uh, filmography. But I think it'll be really interesting to watch those films and try to piece together the Alfonso Cuaronisms in those movies.
1: I really just want to watch Children of Men again. And I can't bring myself to do it. (laughs) Just... Uh, voluntarily so uh, okay <laughs> i'm like you know you can just watch it if you like. i know but i uh, can i it's there's a lot there's a lot of weight to that movie and i yeah. don't know that i need that I in know. my life unnecessarily just, and
0: it just becomes keeps becoming more and more relevant
1: i just love that harry potter yeah i love that harry potter kind of jumps in right there in the middle too yeah i think that's also really cool great expectations is this this is like a an update or what's the? It's not in the original Jane Austen time. It's
0: oh, based really? on the
1: story, but it's updated to modern day New York City.
0: That sounds like Ethan Hawke, l- who is. Hmm. I would argue super hit or miss. That sounds a little like a train wreck, but we should see. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I said Jane Austen is Charles Dickens. Who Dodge that bullet? Gwyneth Paltrow. The Paltrow. We all know Jim loves Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, next one is Paul Thomas Anderson. This is his filmography. Mm-hmm. Heart 8, which I have seen. That's a pretty uh, awesome. I mean, all, Paul Thomas Anderson is kind of the Artur of our time in some ways. Um, Heart 8, then Boogie Nights, then Magnolia, then Punch Trunk Love. Mm-hmm. God damn it, I love that movie. Uh, there Will Be Blood, The Master, Inherent Vice. And Paul Thomas Anderson.
1: Two of these movies. Really? Yeah, I've only seen There Will Be Blood and Punch Drunk
0: Love. I've seen all of them. They're amazing. That would be an interesting uh, little run, too. It'd be an awesome run. So either of these, I think, would be really interesting. So noodle on that, listener, and uh, keep an eye out on the forums forums forums.baldmove.com. We'll have a poll up there soon uh, where you can vote on our next direct director. Uh, and I think that's about it, buddy. Yeah. Let's put a pin in Wes Anderson. Put a, uh, put a pin in the tweed, twee jacket. Tweed, ha! Ha ha! tweed. And you can't keep it st- I've learned something today. No, both. I, 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 I use a word it correctly. That's want to use. Tweed. Um, don't like it great <laughs> Levi. and until our next director uh we'll see you in about a month and until then uh oh also uh sorry email <laughs> us i'm re- doing really good at the outro here uh email us directpodcast gmail.com if you have any thoughts mm-hmm. about anything really we're yep. we're open to chat uh so do that and until next time i'm eric i'm levi cut